know what the very first words of Jesus are in the Gospel of John? What are you seeking? What great words for us uh, as we begin the new year? In this episode, we are going to be taking a little journey through the Gospel of John, well, the first chapter, and you might be surprised um, what Jesus has to say to us and the relevance, not just the relevance, the transcendence, the imminence, the encounter that we can have and really going into the scripture and allowing Jesus to speak to our lives today. Welcome to Trust is My Home, a weekly podcast about living a covenant of trust with the Father. From Loretto House here in Austin, Texas to your own home, this podcast seeks to lay down and enflesh the foundation of trust that becomes the true rock on which to build a home. Each week we will talk about realigning our lives toward the Father. What does it mean to trust Him? If God is a good Father and we believe that, how does that change the way we live our lives? We'll dig deep into the hidden treasures of the hearts of mothers and fathers who are choosing to live radical trust in God and speak honestly about the challenges and the testimonies that come from such a life. This is a podcast from this home to your homes, meant to reach into the sometimes lonely struggles to weave encouragement, joy, and community into your day. So whether you're driving, cleaning, folding, or just stopping to listen, Welcome to Trust is My Home. Hello there. Welcome to this week's episode of Trust is My Home. Recording from Loretto House in Austin, Texas. I, uh, I know many, many people in the Austin area are, are suffering like me with the cedar allergies. Just so you know, those of you who do not live in Austin, it's one thing they do not tell you. Uh, before you move here is that for at least three or four months, basically the months when it's warm enough and cool enough to actually be outside, it's um, deadly if you get these cedar allergies. And it feels like those who don't aren't affected by them, they're just the chosen ones of God. But that's just a side note. I just, uh, it's allergy season here in Austin and we're doing great. So welcome to Trust is my home. Um, I was praying uh, about what this episode should be and whether I just kind of pray each week and, and really try to listen to to the Holy Spirit, uh, what he's asking for. And um, one of my own, uh, I guess, New Year's, I don't call it a New Year's resolution, but an invitation from God is to really kind of immerse myself in a deeper way in reading scripture. And um, I think that when we experience perhaps disillusionment or weariness with all of the scandals and kind of the ways that we've been disappointed in the church, it's always a great invitation to go back to the basics. Um, It never hurts to go back to the basics because when we go back to the basics and what is the most basic on Jesus Christ. So um, I've been... I've started reading with the Gospel of John. I just feel really drawn to John's Gospel. And um, today, before before recording uh, and being in adoration and asking the Lord um, what this podcast was supposed to be about, 
um, he's like, why don't you interview me? <laughs> and using the Gospel of John. So I'm not making up what Jesus says. But um, there's a lot of different ways in which we can read Scripture. And it's always, it's always great to, to come back, read again, and to find um, kind of new, new paths to something that maybe we've heard many times. And so I've just, I have this really beautiful, uh, just kind of just contained the Gospel of John. And one side is the Gospel, and the other side is kind of a, a journal. So it's been really nice to be able to engage in reading the Gospel and asking God on a, in a deeper level um, what he is saying. I mean, if this is really his word, and this is one of the basis, like this is a place where he is present in the Eucharist and in the scripture, then this, must be a place where I can go to find Jesus, especially in those times where it feels like um, places where we have found Jesus, he seems to be hiding. Um, and so I begin today really entering into the Gospel of John, and I've kind of been stuck just on the first three chapters of reading them over and over and, and really kind of listening to, to the words in a new way. And so I, in this, in this podcast, I'm going to kind of point out three, three different passages that pertaining to um, home, pertaining to Christ, and hopefully um, allowing you to engage in the scripture in a new way. The first, the first thing is we, we see, and the, the most beautiful, beautiful, like uh, the prologue, right? I mean, I... It is so beautiful. I'm just going to read uh, the prologue without commentary um, because it's just so beautiful. And in, in the in the uh, extraordinary for mass, actually, the prologue is read at the end of every mass, um, and so we can see in, in the tradition of the church that is is kind of given a primacy um, in that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Sorry, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. The true light, which gives life to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I'm just going to stop there. The word became flesh. So cool. Um, 
I think you can read the prologue again and again and again and again, and it's complex enough and also simple and also very profound. And if we re recall the very beginning, the very first episode is kind of like, well, who is, who are we? Who is our father and what is our home? And um, so I'm going to kind of speak about certain passages kind of in light of those questions. One thing that's just really struck me is that Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. And I just think to each, each of those people in this world who maybe have experienced coming to your own and your own not receiving you, that you, you, share, you share fully in the life of the word made flesh. But here's the really great part. And I think this is something that is the, the foundation stone once again. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So how do we become beloved sons and daughters of the Father? By receiving the word made flesh. And that gives us the right. And there's a lot of different translations. Uh, that's the power um, so many different translations, but in this kind of literal translation, he gave us the right to become children of God. That because I have received Jesus, because I believe in his name, I am a daughter of God. So that's, um, I think that you could take the line, the word became flesh, and just really go deeply into that. But what is so incredible is that Jesus Christ, and kind of we just are ending you know, we're ending the Christmas season, um, you know, with the baptism of the Lord. And for those who is on the um, extraordinary form calendar, uh, February 2nd will be the official ending of Christmas. But the this kind of letting ourselves go deeper in the mystery that God himself became flesh, right? So he, he didn't become like spirit. He's not just a, an idea that we're thinking of. He, he is a human person fully god fully man so i am going to just point out like i said there's a couple of things going forward in in this gospel of john that are really just striking to me um that here we have uh oh here it is so we're going through and it I'm not going to read like all of it, but um, we're introduced to John, who came to bear witness to the light, but but was not the light. Um, and we find John, um, this is John the Baptist, we find John the Baptist uh, right at the very first chapter of John, and he's baptizing. Um, and people, you know, are coming up to him and asking him, who are you? I mean... And I just kept on being so struck by this. Like, here is John the Baptist, and he is baptizing people. And I wish I had a greater sense of maybe um, in the history of the Jewish people that here is this man who doesn't really fit into society. Um, he was raised in the desert. He, he kind of is this person outside of any kind of era. So he is not, he is not of the Old Testament but he is like 
bringing, ushering in the New Testament. And he's standing between a big, major cultural shift. And I just feel very strongly that this is, we are actually in that place again, a place of deep shifting within the church and the body of Christ. And there are people that God has actually put his hand on in this time that are doing crazy things that don't make sense both to the new and to the old. And they do this in order to bring witness and to prepare the way for God. And so John the Baptist is very clear who he is not. They're like, are you, uh, are you the Christ? No, he says, I'm not the Christ. Are you Elijah? Nope. Are you a prophet? The prophet. He answers, no. And they're like, well, then who are you? He says, I am the voice crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Um, they asked him, then why are you baptizing if you're neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? This is really so amazing to me. Um, so he's like, I baptize with water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am unworthy to, to tie. So here he is baptizing and he's baptizing and he's like, there is somebody who's coming who is like so much, like I can't even express to you how much greater he is than I. And, um, well, here's John. Just like, I just try to imagine him in this kind of role of God asking him like, go baptize people. And he's asking them to repent and he's asking them to, you know, be baptized. But he's also saying that his baptism is, is incomplete. Um, so he is doing this action that doesn't have a full place yet in either the old kind of the old covenant or the new covenant. Um, and I just keep pondering of how strange it would be for him to be an in-between man, you know, like a person that's in between and the courage it would take to and the kind of the courage to really say, I'm doing what God is asking me to do. I mean, he's, he's being fully obedient to God, but, and with his foot and is steeped in the traditions of the Jewish people, but stepping out of those traditions to do something new. Uh, it's, it's really an incredible thing. So when, um, when he was explaining why he was baptizing, there's this incredible line. Um, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. So he's saying he he actually is baptizing so that he might, so that the Messiah might be revealed. And that's why he's doing this. And so there are some people right now in the church that are feeling called to things that don't quite make sense. Uh, but they're being obedient to God with courage. And that obedience to God is allowing them to be like those preparing the way for what God is bringing. Um, and he speaks, he speaks of, of, of Christ as being somebody who, who will... Um, baptized in spirit um, and uh, I will just kind of actually I'll read that passage um, 
And John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend like heaven, like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with the water said to me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. So, wow. I just feel like God is in this. It's so incredible because um, here is a man who's standing between these two things. And he's like, the one who sent me. And we're like, well, who sent you? You know, John, like, you're telling us that you're preparing the way for somebody, but you're, but you're also being obedient to an authority that's not just the scribes and the Pharisees. What authority are you being obedient to? And he is being obedient to the voice of God. And so I just, I'm going to, I just highlighted that passage because I think that it speaks to lay people in the church right now. That God is calling all of us to be obedient to the voice of God. And there, we really have a choice right now. Um, we can stay in discouragement and disillusionment and wishing like, oh, you know, so much scandal in the church. There's so much betrayal. There's so much this and so confusing. But God is calling us in this time to, to go deeply into our relationship with him to encounter him in those places where we know we can trust and encounter him and to be obedient to him. There's no bishops, there's no scribes, there's no Pharisees that are telling John like, hey man, you need to start, go to the Jordan River and just start baptizing people and calling people to repentance, okay? Because we just wanted to let you know that when you do this, you know, you are going to do this to prepare all of us to receive a new thing. And it's crazy because we know that didn't happen. So who sent God? So John, he was fasting, he was praying, he was listening to God. So what we see kind of in the example of John the Baptist is someone who knows who his God is, who is kind of has a spiritual discipline to really listen to God who isn't just relying on the scribes and Pharisees for that relationship, and then who is obedient to that relationship, and because of his obedience to that relationship, he is one who prepares his people for, for the revelation of God, for the revelation of the, of the Son of God. And that is, for all of us, a call. A call to go deeper into our own relationship with God and to listen to his voice in our hearts um, in, the, in the catechism and, we, and through Second Vatican Council, we hear, you know, what is our conscience and what is this place where God speak to, speaks to us? And we have the church and its teachings as the guideposts, as the framework, but God speaks to man in the silence of his heart. So that's just uh, one, one passage. And then there's two more, okay? So there are two other things that were really striking to me is that, so we the passage following kind of this revelation of the Son of God uh, through baptism, we see then, um, we see kind of the first calling of the disciples. 
The next day, John was standing with his two of his disciples and looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? So I was really struck by this passage. Because, so we have this continuation. John pointed out who God is, that Jesus is the Son of God. And he's with his disciples. He sees Christ and he tells his disciples, that's the one. And Jesus sees them and says, what are you seeking? And I just would encourage you to write that down. Like, what are you seeking? Truly asking yourself in the beginning of this new year, what are you seeking? And this is so crazy. I love it. They say, they don't answer like, I'm seeking happiness and joy. Where are you staying? So he's, what are you seeking? The response, where are you staying? I don't know if that seems odd to you, um, that they answered the question with a question. But what it pointed out to me was they didn't really know yet, <laughs> but they knew he had it. And they asked him where he was staying. Like, where are you? Like, where are you staying? What's your home? Where, where can we find you? And I just, I was just thinking like, that is such a beautiful response. Wherever you are, we want to be where you are. We don't really know what we want, but we want to be where you are. And so I just think those are really important questions. Like, what are you seeking? Where are you staying? Maybe we don't actually know what we're seeking in this time. But let's ask God, where are you staying? And we see Jesus' response. He says, come and see. So he invites them to come stay with him. I just, that's such a cool dialogue. It's so crazy. I just, we have to just keep on, I, I think that's really important to kind of really meditate on like, what are you seeking? Where are you staying? So we see, um, first of all, like, the very in the prologue, we hear that those who receive Jesus, we have the right to be called sons and daughters of the Father. And then we're trying to find out like, who is this Jesus and, and, and who is he? And we see John the Baptist, this, this man who's the in between, pointing him out. And like, you have to realize that there's a new thing happening here. There's a new thing. And we're kind of, we're witnessing some of the dialogue of entering into this new thing. First of all, we see that we, this is a time to really rely deeply and kind of on our fidelity and listening to Christ in our heart and encountering him through the scriptures and prayer, being obedient to that. And then following, following where he has pointed out, you know, where he has revealed, like we see this epiphany. And then this, this like 
question, which is a great question to ask yourself at the beginning of the new year. What are you seeking? What are you seeking? And then to ponder the apostles' response. Where are you staying? And I think this, for me, it really relates to home. It's like, I that would be so great if... Um, if people say that to us, you know, like, where are you, st- like, I, I want to be where this presence of God is and, and then really encountering him. And, you know, after, after they, they had this encounter, they went and they told everyone else, like, we found the Messiah. We found him. Like we found this treasure. So, um, the third thing, because I said, I've limited myself to three passages. I actually kind of want to go on, but I will not. Um, which is such a great, so great. This is still in the first, the first chapter. I'm going to read this, and I just, it's so, so funny. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come from Nazareth? And then Philip said to him, Come and see. So, and then, you know, you see the same words that Jesus said to, to the apostles, Come and see. He is now saying, Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. You believe me? You will see greater things than this. So I just want to go to the part of the passage where Jesus says to him, before Philip even called you here, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And that is the impetus for his belief. And I was just praying into that. And I was thinking, where do I need Jesus to have seen me for that kind of response? I mean, we can speculate forever. Like, what was he doing under that fig tree? What was that all about? But there are precisely areas in our life where we needed to see we needed to know that Jesus saw us. Like, it was enough that Jesus saw him under the fig tree that that basically he was like, you're, you're the one, you're the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Where do I need to have been seen? And I asked myself that question and it kind of went back into my childhood. I was, okay, well, like, if Jesus said to me, remember when you're sitting on that rock by the river? I saw you there. Or... Remember at this moment in your life, I saw you there. And um, it's, I just think that we should like, where are those places? Where are those places in our life that we need to hear from Jesus that he saw us? I think each of us have them. Each of us have those places where we have heard a voice from the other side that you are totally alone. You are abandoned. You are forgotten. And for Jesus to speak before all of this, 
when you were over there or when you were on your bed crying or when this happened, I was there. And I just, I just want to tell a story from that uh, because I saw that happen in real life. I saw that happen. And I will leave out names again because I just to reverence um, the individuals. But the story is, it just reminded me of that story. I was uh, with another person and we were visiting somebody who was dying of cancer. And we went with them and we were praying with them. Um, and this person had really kind of been emaciated and really, you know, it seemed like it was so close. Death was so close, but... Uh, but here he was, and we didn't know if we would be able to see him again. So we were, we were praying um, with him. It was right, kind of around two thirty, and just a beautiful encounter of prayer. And I could see his faith. I could see that in some ways he was ready. I just felt like this was such a beautiful. You know, we had this prayer, and we were just about to leave, and it, it was like I you know I gave him a kiss and embraced him and. In some ways, it was kind of jealous of him. I know that sounds horrible, but like, you're going to go and see Jesus. And, uh, you know, when you when you have the privilege of being with people, they're so close, you know, so close to the the other side of the curtain. It's it's really a holy, holy ground. And I was with another another woman who had suffered deeply in her life and who um, remained so faithful to God in her suffering and who really had anointing of grace on her. And, uh, but she... She, I just felt like she was called to like pray for, for this man. But, she, you know, English wasn't her first language. So I said, um, can you pray for this man? And, and she, she was praying there quietly, but she never said anything. And so we start, we say goodbye. We start walking away and she stops me and she says, I was supposed to tell him something. And I said, seriously, you, you were? He's, yes. I, I said, do you think, you know, should we go back? Or do you think, you know, we can come another time? And she said, I think we are supposed to go now. And it was funny. I was kind of like, um, not upset with her, but it's kind of like, did you go to the bathroom before you leave? Like, why didn't you tell me that you had to do this? You know, so we, we actually like turned around and, and went back, went back to him. And when we went back, he was in a meeting with with the doctors and the nurses, and they're all talking about care, a care meeting. And so we were standing outside the door. And time was going, and but it was like, God was like, you need to say this. You need to say this. And so she told me, uh, because she didn't feel very comfortable in her English, she told me uh, what she needed to say. And, and so she needed to say, um, when you were on your bed, like as a boy, crying, Jesus saw you. And... He was sorry that you felt alone. And then the second thing was that that there's something about um, oh that was actually the first and that that God, if you forgive your father, you will stand. You can stand before Jesus. And so finally, whenever the doctors and nurses left and we went into the room, um, I conveyed that message because I just feel like we really need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And um, I said, you know, um, my friend here, she was praying and she was supposed to tell you this. And so I relayed uh, what she had said and he just started weeping and weeping and weeping. And he had said that, uh, like he knew, he knew, he was, he knew, he knew exactly 
what that message was about. And he realized, he's like, I don't, I didn't realize it, but I, I do need to forgive my father. And just when we were there, it was actually divine mercy hour, which is my favorite hour. And um, so I, I led him through, I was like, well, we can go through this forgiveness right now. And I, I led him through kind of the forgiveness process, like in the name of Jesus, I forgive. And he just, it was so incredible. So his father had died already, but he hadn't realized in the full impact that that he had all this anger and all this pain towards his father. And he, because of this message, his heart was so broken open. And it was like the, it was so beautiful because I witnessed in the Divine Mercy Hour just this total mystery of reconciliation, of father to son, and just total mercy and mercying them. And after this process of forgiveness, which was just beautiful, he radiated and he had so much lightness in him. And he felt like, he said, I feel like a burden that was so heavy was taken off. I feel like this burden that was so heavy on my shoulders was taken off. And we once again, you know, uh, kind of said goodbye and um, and then left. And I, th- I think he, he was... Um, it was just just this incredible, incredible witness that it just reminded me of that, you know, when you are under the fig tree, you know, when you were on your bed crying, um, I was there. And that, that one line opened floodgates of mercy for this man. And... I just saw the holiness, the radiance of his face, just being relieved of this burden. So here we are in this new year, 2020. And I don't think it's like any big surprise to to anyone if I say that the church is going through a deep purification, a very deep purification. And if if we have put a foundation on men and not on God, that foundation is shaking. But it doesn't mean that our faith needs to be shaken. That like John the Baptist, we can delve deeper into our own relationship with God and really live in the authority of that God is present to us. Like Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we can have access to the Father. And that gives, like we have access to God, okay? If there are weak priests, if there are weak bishops, if there is scandal, if there is betrayal, we still have access to God. And so we can listen to and hear from God and be obedient to God. And then the second thing is that question, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? Um... And then the, that beautiful response, where are you staying? Um, so first of all, where are the first question is, what is our foundation right now? Like, where are we putting the foundation of our faith? Jesus, it comes in sacraments and in word. And we, you can have access to God in your home. <laughs> um, you can have access to God in the moment, if you're, you know, whatever. If you're in the restroom, if you're driving in your car, if you are... That you have access to him, 
because you have received him, you have believed in his name, and you are a son and daughter of the Father. So our faith does not need to be shaken by the scandals, by the sins of men. I mean, surprise, surprise. Men are still sinners. (laughs) Great. But we still have access to God. And then, so where where is our foundation of our faith? What are we seeking? And where are the places we need to hear from Jesus? I saw you here. All of those uh, kind of questions and things are, are like preparing our own hearts to be homes for God. To be the living, breathing body of Christ. To be those who even radiate to others Christ so that they ask us, where are you staying? The first step of building a home in trust is, first of all, building that home in my heart, in my heart, for Christ to be present. He's present in the tabernacle and in the sacraments because he is so merciful to us. He is so merciful to us. And he became flesh, and he knows that we encounter him through our flesh, through our physicality, and so we have beautiful sacraments in the liturgy. But our receiving of those things fully, to receive him, like he came to his own and his own did not receive him. How many times is the Eucharist put in hands on the tongue of people who don't even know what they're receiving? Who don't even believe, like it's like, this is Jesus Christ. So there's always things that we can do in ourselves to be those who receive him. The word become flesh. That we prepare that place in our own hearts. That we long for him. That we know what we're seeking from him. At least we are seeking him. And that we know where he, we need him to have seen us. Let it not be said. Let it not be said. Of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church has been given so many riches, like just riches upon riches. Sacrament and word. The fullness of all the riches, the treasury. We've been given this. Let it not be said of us, he came to his own and his own knew him not. In this new year, 2020, I just pray that we, each of us, um, seek Christ, seek Christ, and that we allow our hearts to know where we're seeking Him more, and that knowing, knowing in those places like I was there when I saw you there, that that can be open floodgates for mercy and forgiveness for those places, maybe things that we're holding on to that we don't need to hold on to any longer. So that's kind of my walking through, uh, I guess, the first Gospel of John. And uh, just kind of what God put on my heart for today. It's so fun because, uh, like you, I I don't know what each episode's going to be. I don't really know who's going to listen, but I'm just trying to be obedient as well to the Lord. So have a very blessed week. And... 
praise God that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's it! I just told you what God made you! <laughs>